the spice in it. There it is. Really? Okay. He wants a response. He wants a reaction. No one really cares. No one really cares. No one really cares. No one cares. No one cares. Nobody cares. No, you? No. No one. No one actually cares. Nobody. None. No one. Welcome back, everyone, to the No One Really Cares podcast. My name is, and if you've been listening for so long, you know, no one really cares. My name doesn't matter. Your name doesn't matter. Names are, in fact, a social construct for us to just know that we're talking about someone or directing someone. So, but I digress. Names are very important, regardless. We're going to talk about a few names today. Most specifically, Tom Brady, Cam Newton, the Saints, Falcons, Panthers, and the Buccaneers. And this is going to be a little different. I don't have a guest today. It's going to be, as you know, almost exclusively about football. Um, I'm going to be going solo, and I'm going to be giving you guys a lot of opinions that I have about football right now. Some of them are a bit late. Some of them are kind of just things that I just want to talk about. So if you're into football, keep listening. If you're not and might want to learn a little bit more, keep listening. If you don't care, you're probably not staying one minute into this podcast anyways, and you're not listening anyways. So here we go. We're going to kick it off. I still remember the day Tom Brady became a Buccaneer. I remember all the controversy. Remember the contract talks and all the speculation that the media is doing. And I was like, oh, he's definitely going to the Chargers. He's from California. He's been playing in Boston for so long. He's sick of all this cold weather. Why would he not go to the Chargers? They need a new quarterback. Phillip Rivers is gone. It just makes sense. I heard that the Buccaneers were in the running as well, but I said, there's no way he would go to the Buccaneers. And then in the back of my mind, I was like, there's still a chance. And then as each week kept growing, it was like, oh, there's still a chance. And then each week I was like, oh, it's getting a little bit bigger. And then boom, one day before COVID, that too, Tom Brady is a Buccaneer. And all that I could think of in my head was fuck. Fuck, 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 fuck. And why? Why, 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 why? Why did he have to come into our division? Of all the divisions that he had to come to, he came to the NFC South. Why? Why? Seriously? Are you fucking kidding me? He beats the Falcons in the Super Bowl. One of the worst moments of my life. I will say, worst moment. It affected me in almost no way, but worst moment of my life. Comes to our division, I have to play him two times a year. Not only that, he's got Bruce Arians, who's known as the quarterback whisperer. Okay, he's worked with the likes of Peyton Manning, and I can't remember everyone else, but he's worked with a lot of people. He turned Jameis Winston into a shit show, into a 5,000-yard pass, uh, passer. And 30 touchdowns. And he has the likes of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. It's not looking good. The NFC South is going to be a bloodbath. And as a Falcons fan, and someone who follows the teams very closely, and as someone who is very passionate about the Falcons, not only does it make me mad that I have to see a guy who crushed my heart on, which I think was one of the only moments we're probably to get at the Super Bowl for a very long time, but he's got even better resources now. I don't think that when he was at New England, he had enough players around him. Oh, fuck. I totally forgot. He also got Rob Gronkowski, another Hall of Fame level tight end who he has great chemistry with. Sidebar. Back to what I was saying. I don't think when he was at the Patriots, he had all the pieces he needed last year. They really just eked it out in the lat one playoff game against the Titans. And they were rightfully defeated by the Titans. He's got pieces now and a culture which I think might be beneficial for him at his age. I heard that with Bruce Arians right now, 
it's more of like a family out there. It's not like a do your job type of mentality. People are a lot more into having fun in that Tampa Bay area rather than New England, which is a bit cold and blah. That's all I can describe it. Regardless, not looking forward to seeing him play. But I also don't think he's going to do as well as everyone is expecting him to do. People are saying that he's going to be a, the Buccaneers are going to be a Super Bowl contender. I'm not sure. And for a few reasons. First off, if you guys remember, the Browns last year were the absolute hype train of the NFL. They got Odell. They got a bunch of other pieces. Kareem Hunt went there. They got a lot of pieces, right? And everyone's like, oh, Browns, Super Bowl contenders. You know, I've been in the running. I don't think it's happening. And I didn't think it happened. And then guess what? Who beat them? Titans in the fir- in week one. They had like an average year, as expected. Just because you have all the talent around you doesn't mean you have all the, co- the right coaching. Doesn't mean you have the right play calling. It doesn't mean you're going to mesh well. And just because they have all this talent around them right now, and even though they do have a good coach, I still don't think they're going to do as well. First off, Tom Brady's 40 plus years old. I think the older you get, you know, it's going to be a little harder for him. Not that he's saying he can't do it. He's been doing it well for a while. I think we're going to be a, a little surprised as far as how good he plays this year it does take a a bit of a a bit for people to gain chemistry on the football field like that however this is tom brady we're talking about he is the goat and if there's anyone who could do it i think it's him however my prediction is still a 9 to 10 win season and if you agree or disagree let me know because i would like to know now his replacement at new england cam newton now this is interesting we're talking about an NFL MVP, um, someone who has all the records in Carolina as far as quarterback is concerned, and is overall an electric player to deal with. As soon as I heard the Cam Newton news, I was like, fuck, he's going to do well. He's going to do so well at Belichick's offense. Not only that, because he's been pissed off that he's no one's giving him a chance. The entire league and the media has completely written him off. Why? Because of his injuries? Because his replacement did well? I don't think you guys can sleep on this guy. And what really solidified it for me was he was on this basically red table talk with Odell, Victor Cruz, and Todd Gurley saying, look, not only am I playing all the people that passed up on me, but I am good, I'm healthy, and the Patriots' offense was a quick-passing offensive scheme. Now, Cam Newton is known as for as being a, a dual-threat quarterback, but he is, a, he is a passer that passes in rhythm and can deliver, and I don't think a shoulder injury is really going to stop him. I'd be interested to see how his culture meshes with Belichick, but I am really going to see him as a dark horse candidate, or actually not dark horse, my leading candidate for NFL comeback player of the year. He's a winner, and I love the guy. I hate the fact that he's going to the Patriots because I don't like that organization because they broke my heart and because they're cheaters and this, that, and the other, but I love Cam Newton, and I really think he's going to do well at the Patriots. Um, Don't sleep on him. Now, at that table talk was also Todd Gurley, another person who was written off by the media and just by the NFL in general because he had an arthritic knee or whatever happened in the the playoffs when they play the Patriots a couple years ago. He wasn't played as much. He wasn't getting 100 plus yards a game. And I understand. Now, we can talk about the NFL injuries and, you know, the problems that they have with people lying about them, people playing through them. We can do that in another podcast. The fact of the matter is, I think he was actually playing pretty well last year, and the Falcons made a good decision picking him up. 
However, if you're going to say that the reason his production was down is because of his injuries, I have to disagree with you. The offensive line that he had with the Rams was not good. They were not getting the same level of push. They did not have the same people throughout the year, i.e. people had injuries on the offensive line. If you don't have the same group playing together all the time, you don't have that chemistry and it's very difficult to be successful. I'm interested to see if there is a trend of offensive lines who have stayed mostly healthy or have had the most the same starting five all year round and their level of success throughout the years. When the Falcons made it to the Super Bowl, they had the same starting five the almost the entire year. And that was a big reason why they were successful. The year that they didn't after, the year after that when they made the playoffs and were defeated by the Eagles, they had a lot of offensive line troubles. Offensive lines wins you football games and that is how you win Super Bowls. I digress. I think Todd is going to do well. He still has that he still has that athleticism. Now the Falcons offensive line needs to be good too. I mean, we had our own struggles last year. Matt Ryan couldn't stay off his back, but I don't think that was because of him. It was because of the offensive line. So I think it's also going to be a big bounce back for him. Hopefully the offensive line can stay healthy. And I think he's going to be really good. I've seen the film from the Rams when he was playing there and he was not getting the push he needed. So be wary of that. Saints. Why, why can't they just go away? Like every single year, the Saints are Super Bowl contenders, right? They're good enough. They have a 10 plus year win season. They have all these pieces. They're just like fucking like they're like flies, you know, as a Falcons fan. I'm like, these people are so annoying and they don't stop. I mean, they're they're a rival. You have to understand that they're they're like a they get under my skin. And unfortunately, I think they're going to be good again. One reason, they got a a couple key pieces, one of them being named Emmanuel Sanders. Now, he is a veteran. He's been playing for a really long time. He is someone you can plug into your offense, and he is going to do well. And one of the big reasons why I think the Saints were not so good in the playoffs and did not have prolonged success is because their offense was either gimmicky or throwing to Michael Thomas. That's it, folks. It was a one-man show. Yeah, they look at stats a lot. Michael Thomas had a great year. Michael Thomas had a good year because he was the only person they were throwing to. They had no weapons. Ted Ginn, he's a he's a speed receiver, right? He'll get a few catches a game, but he's not the receiver that you're going to need for depth in the NFL. But if you have Emmanuel Sanders, you know, that is a huge difference. And Emmanuel Sanders was playing was balling out with Garoppolo throwing at him. And Garoppolo is not the level of quarterback that Drew Brees is. So now that he has him, it's going to be a long year for the NFC South. It's going to be some good games, but as far as what I'm saying, I'm thinking it's going to be a long year. Additionally, they have Malcolm Jenkins, who I think is a cerebral safety. He's going to be doing a lot for them. He's also a natural-born leader and has already been very vocal in the news, and I think he's been a good impact. I like him as a player, but as far as like being a fan of the game... Saints, I think, are going to be decent. I don't think they're going to be, once again, going to the Super Bowl. Maybe because their run game still isn't there. Alvin Kamara isn't the same. I don't know what's happened with him. I don't know if that's another offensive line issue or if that's just he's not playing up to par. But I don't think this. I don't think that they're going to make it. Now, you guys, you guys follow up with me in February of 2021. We could talk about this. I don't think the Saints are going to have that great, of, are, are going to have as good of a year as they always expect. I think they'll do well to have another nine to 10 win season again. Unfortunately, I don't think they're going to go deep into the playoffs. I hope they don't. I really fucking hope they don't. Fuck them. <laughs>
<laughs> Anyways, Panthers, they're getting Bridgewater. So this is a good segue off of the Saints piece I just talked about. So Terry Bridgewater did well. He did pretty well at the Saints. I mean, Drew Brees goes down and he, he held down the fort. However, because he played that well in those few games, do you think that is going to mean he's going to have success with the Panthers? I think he'll be decent. I think he'll be around, they'll be around like a seven to eight wins, maybe five to seven, right? And here's why. Just because you come in and have success doesn't mean it's all because of you. It could be just all your pieces are very good. It could be that the system is good and it really works for you. Your coaching staff could have also adapted to your play style. A big reason Nick Foles had a lot of success and when they won the Super Bowl was because their entire offense changed. They were not playing the same type of level of football that Carson Wentz was doing. Carson Wentz is a lot more mobile. Nick Foles is a pure pocket passer. They changed the offense for him and it worked. I, If I looked at the film, I would like, I would bet I would see that they did the same for Terry Bridgewater and he was able to execute. Also, I think that the plays, the play calling that Bridgewater had was written up to his strengths. And I'm not sure if he can do the same thing for the Panthers because I don't think they have the same pieces. And they just got a new quarter, uh, coach. And there's a lot of kinks you have to work out in that first year. And they're going to try and change their identity. I, I don't think Terry Bridgewater is going to have that great of a year. I say that they're going to be the fourth in the NFC South. So this is basically my pulse of where the NFC South is right now. Hopefully the Falcons can do well. I mean, they have everything they need, at least on the offensive side. I mean, they have three offensive player of the year capable players with Todd Gurley, who has won it before, Matt Ryan, who literally is an MVP, and Julio, who is literally the best receiver in the league. If you say it's Michael Thomas, you don't know anything about football, and you can leave the podcast. <laughs> I digress. We got a lot of cool, great pieces on offense that are already there. We have great pieces on defense with who we just got with from the Rams. What was his name? Uh, Dante Fowler, AJ Terrell, Marlon Davidson. We got some good pieces. I think we're going to do something pretty well. I wouldn't be surprised if we can make a wild card spot. This is me just being a little bit realistic. I think our best shot is making a wild card spot. I don't think we're going to win the division. I hate saying that as a Falcons fan, but I just don't think that's what's going to happen. I hope we do. I hope we win the Super Bowl, obviously, but I just don't, I don't know. I hope. And my final point, last chance you. I just finished two parts of the independence season, parts three and four. Now I want to talk about injuries. So for the final season of last chance you in the final part, I was shocked at how players are playing through honestly catastrophic injuries. Marquise King, who was their wide receiver, had three concussions in a season, which is already awful. A broken bone in his ankle, terrible. A broken finger, and he continued to play. And as much as I love football, things like this make it difficult for me to watch the sport. Now, Marquise King is just one example in so many about the injuries that we have in not in every level of football, be it concussions, spinal injuries, limb injuries, you name it. It's a culture of playing through it. And as someone who loves football, I don't want to see my favorite players having lifelong injuries, but it seems that, that there's a culture that they can't do it without it. And that makes me sad. If there were a safer form of football, like if flag football got more interesting, you know, that they had, they were trying to do something with that. I think I would be more inclined to watch, 
But I don't see that happening anytime soon, especially against an institution like the NFL, which is 100 years in the making, has a hold on the American culture, and is frankly very profitable as a sport, and honestly has a monopoly on the pro football market. However, they, they're they feeling a little bit of the pain when it comes to the controversies that they have with the kneel downs, the injuries, concussions, you name it. They're starting to feel a little bit. Now if, and I'm saying if, flag football could get their act together, I'd watch it. I would honestly watch it. There's a lot of cool things that they're trying to do that implement that I think are interesting to watch. I would, hell, I'd watch it. I'd be interested. But for right now, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think that they have enough hold. It's really difficult for a sport like that to not only draw players away from professional football, especially when there's they can make millions of dollars and it's also literally a part of our culture. But what really would a person play besides wide receiver, running back, and cornerback, and quarterback? There's not many positions you can play, so it's a different type of sport. I don't know. It's it's not a... I wouldn't say it's an exact substitution, but it's a decent alternative if I'm feeling bad about watching you know, people just smacking their heads together. So yeah, Last Chance U, it was great. It was, it was really fun to watch how much of a shit show it can be. The coaches... I, <laughs> now, I watch a lot of football, right? Literally Sunday, Monday, and Thursdays. And Saturdays when I watch college football. And during the week, I'm hell, I'm watching highlights. I'm watching fo- I, I watch football film breakdowns on, on YouTube. There's quite a few people that, that break down film that I enjoy watching. And I play fantasy football. There's a lot about football that, that, that's a part of my life. And I have never seen some of the things I saw <laughs> in this show of Last Chance U. The, I mean, the coach is cursing at people. He was cutting people in the middle of a game. He's firing people in the middle of a game. Uh, he was calling timeouts to cuss out the refs. It was entertaining to say the least. It was entertaining. But there was an underlying message. And it's, I think, pretty similar to Whiplash, if you've seen that movie. It's about, and if you haven't, let me just give you a little synopsis. It's basically about kid, plays the drums, goes to a very tough jazz band school. And the professor is abusive, but gets results and turns the drummer into a better player due to his style of teaching. Now, it's, of course, an exaggeration and a cautionary tale on how to motivate people. But seeing Last Chance U and Jason Brown doing his the way he did it was honestly like seeing Whiplash in person due to how he was operating. Now, there's, of course, a lot of caveats. Jason Brown was an emotional leader. He didn't really seem to have a plan. He's cocky. He was abusive. He's not likable. But did he get results for them? Is the means to the ends justifiable in this case? I don't know. That's for us to figure out on our own. Nevertheless, it was entertaining. And he gave me a good football fix since we've been in this drought. So now that the draft is over and training camps and it seems that football might not even be happening, I needed something. I really did. And it, and it fulfilled that for me. So, in short, got a lot of my chest. I'm excited for the football season. I hope it doesn't get canceled. I hope that these 10,000, 20,000 fan things won't create more coronavirus. I really hope that we can still play. And I hope that it's somewhere similar to what it was before. Because, I mean, I football is my passion, man. I, I love watching it and I love breaking it. I love a lot of the aspects of it. And for it to be gone would be would suck. So I hope you guys enjoyed this different episode a solo episode on some of my opinions. I'm definitely going to be doing things like this more. Yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed it. 
If you guys have any things you guys want to talk about football, let me know. Uh, uh, no one really cares. I forgot that all these are about me. I decide what the topic is. And you know, I frankly just want to get a lot of things of, f- about football off my chest. Regardless, thanks for listening. I hope you guys might have had a little bit more interest in football because of it and learn a couple new things. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of No One Really Cares. I hope you are enjoying your journey with me as we navigate through a variety of topics and guests. And I hope you learned a thing or two. Directed by No One Really Cares. Produced by No One Really Cares. Written by No One Really Cares. Edited by, you guessed it, No One Really Cares. 